Good rehearsal. It was good. I feel I feel good about it. Everybody, good to see you. It's been a week since we've last chatted. Uh, welcome to the Awkward Silence Show, uh, where we go from the spotlight into the green room, comics. Hey, it's not Brent Tobler, hey, that's no. for sure. Nope. Um, this, uh, this fine gentleman standing uh, sitting across from me, I'm very discombobulated, and it's none of your faults. Um, my uh, my co-host today is uh, is a very funny young man by the name of Matt Markman. How are you, Matt Markman? I'm good, sir. How are you? So here's the story. Uh, Brant Tobler, uh, who usually co-hosts this show, unfortunately had a loss in his family. Feel uh, very sorry for him, of course. Uh, but we were able to get somebody that, uh, that I'm a huge fan of, a very funny local guy. Uh, uh, actually, one of the people that I tapped along with Brant to be the regular co-host of this show when we were first getting things going. Uh, so we've got no slouch sitting across from me. In fact, you're going to think, oh, he's going to be terrible because this is his first time. But you're going to see him and you're going to say... <laughs> This guy's been doing this shit for like 15 minutes. <laughs> it feels, uh, like, Matt, <laughs> Matt feels like my second time. Uh, well, welcome, man. We've been wanting to get you on for a no, while. I'm glad so to glad be here. I'm a big fan of the show. I'm glad to be here. Terrific. Well, uh, we're going we're gonna to have a lot of fun and merriment today. Good. Uh, we're going to get to know you. Mm -hmm. uh, we have an awesome headliner that we're going to talk to in a little bit. He will be sitting here. He is not here now. Do not be alarmed. Uh, but before we do, let me just tell everybody, if you're watching live, uh, please continue to... Uh, to <laughs> to be part of our live chat. Uh, if you can't watch us live and you have any questions, comments, possible topics, email us, awkward at vegasvideonetwork.com. Of course, you have already subscribed to the show via iTunes, so I'm not even going to tell you to do it. Uh, all right, Matt. So I've got a few things I want to chat with you about. I got very Charlie Rose right here like I was going <laughs> to attack you, but I won't. Or Larry King. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shit's going to get real. Um, but before we do, give me the, give me the Cliff's Notes version of, uh, of the Matt Markman story. I'll give you the Cliff Notes of the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> exactly. Fucking speed it up. Tight. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I just, one day I decided, I told a lot of jokes when I was growing up. Uh, I always walked around with the um, Julie Tastes joke books. I was always doing stuff like that. I was always trying to offend people at work. And one day my buddy told me, he's like, you should go down and do stand-up. So uh, I went down, checked out an open mic, and my idea was to go in there and be as over-the-top offensive as I could and clear the room. I thought that would be awesome. That was your, that was your goal? Yes, I wanted to do that. I thought that would be so much fun, like yeah. make me laugh. Yeah. Uh, so I went down, checked out an open mic, started writing some jokes, went up there, had some dirty jokes in there, but actually got some laughs. And um, from then, I was like, you know what? I think I like the idea of making people laugh, too. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. It's awesome. And so that was, I'm sorry, how long ago? Seven years ago. And all here in Vegas? All in Vegas, yeah. All right. So that's one of the things that we, sort of the regular topics that we, we get into here about how you think Vegas is this awesome town uh, for entertainment. But it's really horrible yes. most of the time. How mm -hmm. was it actually starting here? It was, uh, I mean, for, you know, I didn't know anything else. Yeah. I didn't know anything else. So I started out, and I thought, this is, this is what it's about. Yeah. And then um, I did it for a couple of years, and then I actually got to go out of town and do it a show. I'm like, wow, this is, this is different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, there's so many things for other things for people to do in Vegas. And, and you know, most people, when you tell them that you, uh, you're performing in Las Vegas, they think, oh, he's at the Tropicana, he's at right. the Flamingo, but he's not. I'm not at any of those places. Right. I wasn't at the time. You know, I was at this little shitty bar that was about a half hour from there. Yeah. And uh, nobody cared because they're all off drinking or gambling. There's like a million things to do any night of the week in Las Vegas. The last thing people want to do is come see me. Uh, tell jokes at a shitty bar that I just wrote and, <laughs> and just see other people. You know, there's some pretty, if you've ever been to an open mic, you know, there's some really shitty comics out there. Right. And so then, you don't mean, have to sit through that. There, there is a lot to be said for that. Like, there's so much shit going on here. You know, because you, of course, were part of Toblerfest uh, last yes. week. You were uh -huh. one of the featured comics. <laughs> and, you know, you think about that, you're like, I can't believe like 300 people or whatever poured into this theater yeah. to, to see a guy. And I mean, I know Brant's got a good fan base on there, but he's not somebody who's, who's you know, uh, renowned, famous. You know, he doesn't have a huge name recognition, you know, like no. nationwide. Mm -hmm. uh, you couldn't do that here. No. You know what I mean? E even though he's got a ton of fans here, as do you, you couldn't sell out a 300 you know, uh, room theater uh, here, just because there's too much other shit to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, why would you? Yeah, there's a million other things. When, when we did that show, uh, they were basically saying there's two big things in Cheyenne, and it's Toblerfest and Frontier Days. They're a huge thing out there. Right. And that's why I said, you know what, we should do a comedy, like a tour where you go to these little towns during their huge events. 
yeah. and you know just put a little comedy show together and I was like it, it would be awesome because there's nothing else to do in those little right podunk towns. Dude, I hear you. Uh, all right, so <clears throat> you and I have probably more in common than uh, you would like to admit. Uh, one of them is we both uh, live horrible double lives mm -hmm. uh, where we suffer through day jobs and then uh, try and tell jokes to people at night. Uh, is that, how's that working for you? Because it's not doing well for me. It's, it's hard, you know, I just got married in May, so like I have, you know, the job that pays the bills. I have my wife that I love spending time with. My family's actually, all, all, they all live out here. Right. Um, you know, doing comedy when I'm actually performing and then like writing, it's just, like I don't feel like there's enough time in the day. And then just time to relax, you know, you still gotta give yourself time to relax, you know, otherwise, you know. Right, no, but, and, and that's the thing, it's because if, if you try and balance the two, because I was one of those people, I'm like, you know, fuck this starving artist bullshit, Jim Carrey lived in his car because he's a <laughs> douchebag, I'm not living in a car, yeah. okay, I'm gonna, I can work a job and then go do stand-up. You'll never be able to like do both well. No. That's sort of the deal, you know what I mean? So when I first started, you know, I had a shitty job at a bank, I was living in New York, uh, I didn't care about that job, you know, so I'll go out and I'll do stand-up and I'll write and at work I'm fucking around and, you know, just writing shit down on deposit slips, you know, <laughs> joke ideas, I, I didn't care. Uh -huh. but, but now where shit's a little more serious when I have a child that won't eat, like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, it's, it's sort of shifted the other way, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So now, like, I have to pay a little bit more attention and have my shit together when I go into work and I, I don't, you know, I don't always feel, like, creative. I don't want to come home and just start, you know, ripping jokes up. I don't want to go to an 11 o'clock open mic oh, because yeah. I know I won't be yeah. home till 2 and mm. I got to be at work at 8. Yep. So it's, it's hard. You, like, to, to find a balance is really hard. Yeah. I try and uh, lately I've been trying to get in my head, you know what, I, I really need to work more. I mean, it's, my job doesn't like this, but uh, <laughs> really concentrate more on comedy and getting the jokes written and getting, you know, a full set where I can get out there and do road work because that is going to be my career. That is how I'm going to take care. And now's the time right now. You know, I'm, I know you have a child. I don't have a child yet. Right. You know, we just got married and my wife's super supportive. You know, she's all about, you know, yeah, we need to get this done. Like my wife even said, you know, if I get laid off, let's just get a camper and go on the road. She's willing to go on the road with me, which I don't know how many. I don't know if it's a good thing. It might not be a <laughs> good thing. It might be a funny. horrible thing for uh, comedy. But, <laughs> no, but I mean, she's super supportive. And cool. at this point in my life that I need to, to be ready to make that jump. Yeah. Believe me, that, that means a lot. When I say that I was a full-time comic, what I mean was <laughs> I lived off my successful wife uh, <laughs> and, did, and told jokes at night. Mm. Uh, but uh, the other thing you and I have in common, and I believe more comics are like us but refuse to admit it, is uh, you openly admit, like me, that you get seriously nervous before oh, shows. Oh, yeah. I'm a mess. <laughs> and, and, I, and like for me, it comes from wanting to do well. You know what I mean? And everyone's like, well, what's the big deal? You've bombed before. I'm like, yeah, and it's fucking terrible. Yeah. How about I don't want to bomb? And yeah. I'm afraid that I will, so I, I get nervous before. Now, uh, you, you take it, you take it to extreme sometimes. Yeah, I, uh, I throw up a lot. <laughs> I dry heave a lot. Uh, I'll admit, like, uh, I'm a huge Jim Norton fan. I got to open for him on Friday, and that was probably one of the most nervous I've ever been. Just, yeah. Just, but you know what it is? It's like I've gotten to the point. I don't. I can bomb. I don't really give a shit if I bomb. I bombed before. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. Yeah. Right. But it's the, it's, the, it's a, such a mental thing. It's the whole fear of the unknown. Exactly. It's the on fear stage, of not knowing. If, if I'm eating shit on stage, I'm I'm okay. Like I feel like I'm in control, yeah. and I'm like, all right, let me get over this and, and just get off stage. Like in that moment, I'm all right. When I'm on, I'm never nervous on stage, but beforehand, it's that anticipation that that eats at me. Mm -hmm. You know. So yeah, I'm, I'm I just assume no. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna eat shit, <laughs> you know, I'd be <laughs> so much could just better. Tell me, go, yeah, call tell me, me when afternoon. I wake up. Yeah. It's gonna suck. And be like, oh, okay, great. Then I know it's gonna suck, and I can prepare for it to suck. Right. But it's just the not knowing how it's gonna go. It, it is. And, but once I get that mic in my hand, I'm good. Right. But I will, yeah, I will dry heave and throw up, and uh, I pulled the car over on the way to gigs and puked, and I'm getting better. And <laughs> I'm it, getting better at puking. Yeah, I'm getting better at figuring uh, out when I need to throw up. <laughs> I never like, eat hours before yeah, that's I don't idea. eat, yeah. And again, you get a guy like Brant, the guy doesn't have a care in the world. No, he just has to take a shit. <laughs> he, he eats like right before, and then his problem is, oh God, I hope I don't have to shit yeah. right while I'm doing yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a tough life. Um, all right. Oh, speaking of throwing up, can we do fit or fat, please? Before we get to our final question, before I headline it. There it is. There's the, there's, there's the fucking icon. Uh, so you know that it's good because I brought it up this week. Uh, I am proud to say, and I'm sorry for your new uh, shitty sound effect, Brian Malika is fit to the tune of five pounds. Hey. Look at that. Sweet. Most of that is water weight from tears. But uh, I don't care. I'll take it. Uh, before we get to our headline, that's my new sexy cougar. That's when I lose weight, I'm a sexy cougar. 
Um, real quickly, before we get to our headliner, we had one question come in via email uh, from a young comic about to do his first open mic, and it actually relates to something you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, he wants to know if it's sort of taboo uh, to, uh, to go up and be really dirty on your first ever show. Uh, and, uh, and oddly enough, you know, a, a decade ago when I started, that was one of the things they told me, like, don't, don't be dirty, you know, your first show. You don't want to be a dirty open micer because then they'll look at you and no one wants to book a dirty opener, so they'll never, you know, they'll never... Uh, I don't really buy into that shit. You know, right. the thing that I've always said is um, uh, funny uh, outweighs dirty and gross every time. Yeah. So if it's more funny than it is offensive, you're going to be fine. You know what I mean? Uh, there's that, sort of that saying that a groan is as good as a laugh. But the only people that say that are people that don't get a lot of laughs. <laughs> because a laugh is so much better, right? right so, yeah, absolutely. So, so just think that through. You know, like if, 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 uh, if you want to do something really offensive, is it funny? Does it sound right when you say it? And if the answer is yes to both, then just fucking do what you want. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I started out dirty. And you know, a lot of the grooms that we do in Vegas, uh, where you first start out, it, it's all bars. And, and people are shit-faced. And they want to hear the dirty jokes. And so it like, works on that level. But then I made the mistake after my first year, I made a DVD. And the first joke was an anal sex joke. Right, which, which is you know, bad. You don't want to start absolutely. your set. You don't want to start your set or sex with <laughs> anal. That's, can, uh, that's a little tip for the kids. Try. You could try. <laughs> That's exactly. Probably get just as many laughs. <laughs> also, just as many people walking out. That's right. Uh, <laughs> um, and it cost me work. I, there was a, a promoter that I sent it to that a lot of friends vouched for me. And she said, turned it off right after the anal sex joke. Yeah. And uh, she said, I'm not going to book this guy. And it took me years before she'd take a, another look at another DVD. And I'd clean up my act. I even told her. I was like, I got my shit together because of what you said. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and now I'm actually working for her. So the, the money's not in the really... It's just not there. If you want to keep doing that, yeah, you're probably going to be doing a lot of, you know, open mics and stuff like that. Or you could be one of the lucky ones. Just there's just the numbers aren't there to be successful starting out that way. Somebody told me a long time ago, you know, you, you work clean to get booked, you get booked, you get higher, and then you do once you're big, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Exactly. And that's what I'm working towards. So there it is. <laughs> there it is from from the man right there, from Matt Markman. Uh, all right. Enough of our nonsense. Can we get to our headliner, please? All right, so our headliner today is a, is a hilarious comic. Uh, it almost feels weird to call this guy just a comic because he's, he's just, just a, an all-out entertainer, a, a powerhouse of, of hilarity. I'm running out of adjectives. Uh, but he is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated uh, Vegas headliners, and I'm very happy to have him here today. It's Todd Paul, everybody. How's it going, man? Welcome. Yeah, it's man, man. Good to see you again. Uh, so, yeah, so I kind of, you know, I, I, do you consider yourself a comic? Yeah, I, you know, all my shows, are, they're, all, they're all comedy shows. I am not a stand-up comic. Okay. Uh, I'm not a purist in any sense of the word. Right. Uh, there's stand-up in my show. Yeah. Uh, there's elements of stand-up, but uh, I come from the, the Steve Martin school of comedy. I was, I've, I've, he was my guy. I was a huge Steve Martin fan. Right. If, you, if you read his book, uh, what he said was he used everything he ever learned how to do to make people laugh. Right. I mean, he's the guy that did the arrow through his head in the bunny ears. I yep. mean, it was just, you know, and that, that was just stuff he saw in those joke shops when he was a kid, you know, right. and, 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 and uh, that's kind of what I do with my shows. You know, it's just everything I've ever learned how to do. And you've been doing it almost your whole life. I mean, I've been doing it since I was 10 years old. Right. I'm, I'm 42 now, that's 32 years, Jesus. It's a long time. <laughs> do you need a tissue? I, I need a tissue. Moment, uh, I'm hoping week. to lose five pounds in tears. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, uh, but, I've always said that like only like maybe five percent max of the people that that are really successful in entertainment were just sort of born being able to do it. Uh, I really think the rest of us, it's not a natural thing, and you have to work at it and, and, and learn how to do it. Obviously, you've you've gotten better by working and learning how to do it, but do you think it's just one of those things that's inherent in you? Like you've always just kind of no, I out? work at it every single day. Yeah. I work at it all day, every day. Right. It's kind of like the you know you guys are talking about the the the, uh, the kid that. Uh, emailed in a, right. a question uh, you know there's there's a lot there's a lot to this you know there's a lot to starting out you know and um, it, it takes a lot of work you have to you have to be able to do it all day every day well you were talking about having the job and and it's a real catch-22 you've got to make money but I, I think if you're gonna be if you're ever gonna be brilliant at something at anything you have to do it all day every day and if you're gonna do it all day at every day you've got to be able to make money at it Right. So fortunately, this is a this is a career field where if you're lucky and you work really hard, 
um, those two things come together, the luck and the hard work. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can make a living at this. Yeah, let's kind of talk about how you got to the point where you were making, you're, you're making a living at this. All right, so you're, so you're 10 years old. Where's a, where does a young Todd Paul start, start his, uh, his career? Street performing in San Francisco. People really? just give you money on the street. Uh, to to do stuff and and, and uh, did you dress I, up like midget Mr T because that's working downtown yeah um, well you know I, I I patterned myself after guys like Amazing Jonathan and and uh, Robert Nelson the Butterfly Man and Harry Anderson and and uh, all those guys that were on the street in San Francisco um, those guys were making at one time I don't know if they if they still make that kind of money but they made big money back then you could make two three four five hundred dollars a day on the street people would come by and it's a little different now with all the homeless i noticed the last time yeah, i was in San into your work. <laughs> hey man well it's kind of like it's kind of like out here on the strip you know you get all those porno guys handing yeah. out those cards and then you try and hand them a flyer for a show and they're like get the fuck away from right, me i don't right. want anything i don't want it's i don't want to see what you have right. i don't want yeah <laughs> That's so awesome. it's kind of the street performing thing kind of became the same thing you'd have this really amazing street performer like you'd have the bushman here and you'd have robert nelson here and you'd have 10 homeless guys in, in between yeah. them and by the time they got to a performer, they've got that blinder. I don't want to look at you. I don't see you. You know, so it, it becomes. I mean, there's all these things that uh, make it harder. But when I was a kid, um, I never had to have a paper route. Right. Sure. But, so, so I knew so that's what I was going to do. So what were you doing? I mean, like, what, what, as a ten-year-old, what, what, what were you doing to get attention, to get money? What was? I what juggled. Was the act? I juggled. Right. I did a little magic. Just again, everything I ever learned. Everything yeah. you know, I would learn. Uh, you know, when you're a kid, you learn. You you watch David Copperfield, and you think he's like. You know, I mean, he was like a rock star when I was a kid. You know, right. and he was doing magic tricks. So I went down to the magic shop, and I got magic tricks. Uh, uh, I saw the jugglers in San Francisco, and I thought that's the coolest thing ever. And when you're 10, like that shit's really hard to do. Right. You know, I mean, it's a, it's like a real skill. Mm -hmm. But when you're 10, you don't think it is. You think, oh, I could do that. That's it's just this, right? right. And right. you're right. When you're 10, you're right. Right. It's like these. Uh, uh, I've been uh, over the last five years or so. I've really been working on music, like getting really serious about about the music. Sure. And uh, I, I watch these kids on the internet, and they're just phenomenal. They're 10 years old, and they're like these incredible blues players. Well, when you're 10, your brain is making all of those connections, and and you have nothing else to do. You don't have to have a job. You don't have girlfriends yet. You don't have any distractions. Right. So you get really good at being a guitar. I'm much more impressed with myself at 42 becoming. <laughs> right. Becoming it's way harder. Yeah. Yeah. It's way harder. Right. It's much more difficult. Right. When you're 10, that stuff comes pretty easy, and that's what the the juggling and the magic and stuff did for me. So you knew then. I mean, you know. Uh, uh, Matt and I were talking, you know, so, so you start off and you know it's something that you like, uh, yeah. but, but at some point, like, you have to make a decision, all right, this is going to be my career. You, I guess you had that decision made, I mean, when you were a kid. Yeah, yeah, and then, uh, you know, my parents were, my parents were really cool about it, and they really liked it. Uh, it wasn't anything to do with anything, I mean, there were no entertainers in the family. And were your parents were, hippies? I'm just going to throw it out there. No, my, my family is the right wing. Really? <laughs> They're the guys. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my my brother was the chief of staff for a Republican congressman, and I talked about my dick on stage. <laughs> so uh, you know, yeah, there is a there is a vast difference between uh, uh, my. I would I couldn't have been more the black sheep if I were black in my family. It was, <laughs> yeah, or a sheep. Uh, but it was uh, uh, it, it was just wasn't something that was that, that anybody in the family was doing. So when I started doing it, it was very interesting to them, and uh, they used to help me out a lot. You know, I mean, they drive me around to little shows that I did and uh, street fairs, and you know, um, going to San Francisco and doing you know, they dropped me off out on the street for you know, I mean, times have changed. <laughs> that was gonna you know? sound, yeah, sound yeah, horribly dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, nowadays it probably would be horribly dangerous, yeah. but back then it was real cute, and everybody liked it. <laughs> Nobody was trying to, you know, right. abduct me. Right. Well, maybe if you worked out a little harder. Maybe if I was cuter. Um, yeah. no, so, all right. I'm sorry. So go ahead. So, uh, so at, at that point, I mean, you, your parents have to see that you have the talent. Uh, so, I mean. Yeah. Well, and then too, we used to uh, we used to go to Lake Tahoe uh, at least twice a year, and we would go to the shows and. 
anytime I went into one of those theaters in there, I, like I saw Sammy Davis Jr. when I was a kid. I got, I got to see Dean Martin when I was a kid, um, Wayne Newton and all of those guys, you know, all those old school guys that my parents were into. And when I saw them doing what they were doing on a stage with a bunch of people and people laughing and having a good time and, and uh, back then everybody dressed up, you know, they didn't come in their right. shit happens t-shirt and fanny pack, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was actually kind of a, was, you clearly <laughs> worked the same room yeah, 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 it, it, Welcome it, to Vegas, it was kind man. of an, it was kind of an event, you know, and it was, it was a really special thing, it was something that we were going to get to do once that year, right. uh, but just going into the theater and being seated by a maitre d' and all of that stuff, I, I loved it from the very first time I ever did it, and I knew that's that's what I was going to do the rest of my life. I mean, I would have a job, fuck that. Right. You know, this is way better. So what was, uh, <laughs> and chicks dig it? Oh my god. Well, that's what I I'm hear. sold. <laughs> Brand tells me that every week. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, so, what was sort of the first big move you made where this is like, okay, it's enough of me just making a few bucks uh, on the street? What was the first like, like sort of big professional? deal for you personally that you've been involved with? Well, I did, I was, uh, I learned how to tend bar because again, you have to make money doing these kinds of things. And um, uh, street performing and all that kind of thing was is great in the summer, but it really sucks in the winter. Right. So uh, I learned how to tend bar because I could do the, the flair bartending. Okay. And do a little magic behind the bar, take people's money and make it float and you know, right. just all that little shit and you get the change. So right. I would make a couple hundred bucks a night just tending a neighborhood bar. It wasn't even a, a big bar, but I would make a lot of money because I had all this stuff I could do. And um, this, uh, this one place I worked, they ended up having a comedy night. And so that was when I first met stand-up comedians. And they said, hey, why don't you come out and host the show? Because I was there and it wouldn't cost them anything and right. I could do a few <laughs> things. So, you know, I just, uh, I, I started doing it and, it and it was one of those things where I was the only, uh, the only uh, person who was there every week. Right. And uh, it was in a, a small community so that the people who came to comedy saw me there every week. So I had to do something new every week. So I started doing a lot of writing and coming coming up with bits and hanging out with these comics and, and talking to them about what they were doing and being on the road and all of that. And um, that's, that, that's what really got me started in the, in the comedy part of it. Um, I, had a, uh, I had a guy one time tell me uh, about the juggling. He said, you're great at all of that stuff. Stop practicing. What you need is an act. <laughs> that's, nice. well, that's a fun conversation. Well, I've heard the second part of that a million times. <laughs> but it was great. I mean, it was great. It, it just wasn't something I had really, you know, right. thought about. And he, and he was absolutely right. So I worked really hard at, at coming up with an act. And, uh, and then the rest of it was just luck. I got uh, uh, Mickey Joseph, who plays the part of Joey Bishop in the Rat Pack here okay. in town. Um, he was being sort of managed by Kip Adada. I don't know if you know who Kip Adada is, but he's, he's sort of a legendary comic. Um, one of those guys who burned more bridges than he ever crossed. He would start him on fire before he started to walk over. Uh, it had something like uh, 36 Tonight Show appearances, 56 Mike right. Douglases, and a gold record. And he was just one of those guys, but right. he screwed himself at every turn. Nobody. Right. <laughs> he's, right. he's an incredible comic. One of those comics that, I mean, you know, like Carlin or Hicks or one of those guys that when you watch his set and he does what he does, it's like that's how that's done. Right. I mean, really somebody to watch. Right. Um, he, he saw my act and, and Mickey had, uh, uh, Kip was looking for something for this corporate event and he said, hey, you should try this guy, Todd Paul. And Kip had called me and said, um, look, go do this and do well and I'll have you open for me in Las Vegas. And I thought, well, whatever. I didn't even know who Kip Adada was. I had, no, I had no idea, right? Well, that's exactly what happened. I did well and uh, next thing you know, I opened for him at the Riviera. Uh, Steve Sharippa came down and met me and the next time I came out, I was in the middle and I middled twice and I came back and I'd never worked a com I didn't think what I did was appropriate for comedy clubs. I mean, it was funny, but it wasn't stand-up. And I always kind of thought, well, that's a kind of a place for stand-up. So they don't wouldn't hire an act like me. Um, well, the third time out, uh, I headlined at the Riv. And then um, Steve Sharippa got me in touch with Bob Kephart over at the, over at the comedy stop where I met Nancy Ryan, who is the comic on the X Burlesque. And Nancy is just, I mean, she's got this great, she's very likable. And she's a great 
She's a great comic. So she had been in the clubs for years, and she got me just about every comedy club I ever worked. And that year, I worked just about every club in the country. Wow. <laughs> yes, and, and that's and again, that's kind of what we were talking about. And, like, and you, went in as a headliner. I mean, and went in never crazy. never did an open mic, never did a uh, no middle spots, nothing. I mean, that that's bam, not right normal. In incident. No, no, uh, no, it's not normal. It's very rare, it's very rare that that happens. I mean, like I said, that's why I said it was a huge uh, chunk of luck. Yeah. That all those things came together, and, and the next thing you know, I, I headlined every major club in the country. I've been doing it for ten years. Yeah, and then again, that's kind of like what, what we were saying. I mean, you can, you, you have to be good. You know what I mean? Like that's the given. You have to, when, when you're given your shot, you have to be able to knock it out. But, but getting those shots is so much about just the, the chance meeting. Absolutely. And and here's and here's a great piece of advice for comics that are just starting out. That guy. The guy who wrote in was concerned about being dirty. I would be more concerned about don't be a dick. Right. Don't be a dick and don't talk shit about other comics right. to people. I, I don't care if you think that guy's a hack or that's somebody else's stolen joke. Think it in your head, but shut the fuck up. Right. Don't say it that's how you're gonna get to them. anybody. If anybody asks you about another comic, and I don't care how much you hate them or their act, right. don't say it. Say, oh, yeah, I've seen his act before. He's a pretty good comic. Made me laugh. Oh, he did this bit about blah, blah, blah. If you don't have something nice to say, Geechee right. guy says, my, my grandfather used to say, if you don't have something nice to say about somebody, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> and it, and it, it just... <laughs> it applies because you don't know who you're talking to. I could be talking to you about Matt and go, you know, I saw Matt's show and I didn't like, you know, I could say some, I could talk some shit. Well, you're a very good friend of his. Well, now that's going around. And this is all about gigs, being able to get on stage every single night. And if you're a dick and you're talking shit about other comics, that's going to come back to you in less bookings. I've, I've had a ton of comics that I could help out, that I could get a gig for. And I and they're just they're dicks. I yeah. won't I won't do it. You're not putting your. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put I'm not gonna bring them into a club and have right. them talking shit about another comic. It's true. It's, just, it's really Run important. Into it every day, yeah. And I'm and I'm glad people don't know that because you know there are only a few gigs available. So go ahead, keep talking shit, talk about how everybody's a hack. It'll that'll be good for me. But you know, that's a great point because you're so you're a guy that said you've worked every major club in the country. You've even done shit overseas. I mean, you've been everywhere. How it much is, has that changed from when you started to 2011 as far as as far as that work that's out there? Well, this last year, this last year and a half, this last uh, we're almost up on two years now has been really amazing. Um, and Las Vegas is has been this incredible thing for me. Uh, you know, I've been on the road for ten years, and I mean, uh, one year I was out uh, over three hundred and twenty some days, and uh, it just just being here every night. You know, uh, you know, my new show is at the Hard Rock on the Strip. Right. So uh, I, I'm just I just drive to work every day. Yeah. You know, and it's there. It is. It's the Hard Rock on the Strip right. on the Las Vegas Strip. It's amazing. Right. You know, it's amazing to me, and um, uh, it's nice to not have to get on an airplane. I'll tell you, it is really nice. I, I, I enjoyed the travel. I enjoyed, um, sometimes I would, uh, you know, you're, you, you have to, the travel's so hard, especially the flying. You got to wake up in the morning, be there two hours early, go through the, the cavity searches and all right. that, and uh, get on it. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, that, that makes the rest worthwhile. <laughs> some, people, some people don't realize that when you're, when you're at the comedy club, say you're at uh, the comedy stop in Atlantic City, you don't realize that guy just flew in from California. That's, that's, he's already had a 14-hour day before. Before he before he gets on stage, he's just checked in. He started in California that morning. It's a really hard day, but sometimes in the middle of that hard day, I would think to myself, "I'm on a plane. I'm right. going from one side of the country to another to be a comic. Yeah, to do what you want. You know. Yeah. So yeah, complain if you will. But <laughs> even even the hard parts about it is a very cool thing to be able to do. There's a there are millions of people that all the complaints that we have about it would trade places with us in in a in a moment's notice. Sure. You know. So how did you break in here? Because we were, again, we were just talking about like what what a shitty place this can be for entertainment, <laughs> but you've managed to do it. I mean, and do it well. Yeah. So though how, it though it? it can be, I, I think stand-ups really cut their throats um, when it comes to getting gigs. I think yeah. there's a, there's a lot. I should write a book. There's a there's a lot of things that stand-up comedians do that narrow down the playing field of of numbers of gigs they can get. And one of the reasons is stand-ups sort of have this idea that if it's not stand-up, it's shit. 
That's you true. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like, don't pick up the guitar. <clears throat> don't do, oh, you're a hack. You did this, you did that, you did true. the other. Uh, fine, keep your day job. Right. You know, stand-up is great, and you're right. It is absolutely, it's, a, it's an incredible art form. I mean, right. some of my favorite entertainers are incredible stand-up comedians. Right. Um, but there's, the, it, it narrows your playing field. So if you're not a comic that's willing to be uh, the middle act uh, in the middle of, say, a burlesque show in Las Vegas. Right. Well, there's 10 gigs right there right. that you can't have. Um, you know, it's just, there's a, there's a lot of things that, that you could do uh, with your act. And I think comedy is changing. I think stand-up, you know, it, it goes through its phases. And there, there are gluts in stand-up comedy where there are just everybody, you know, the old saying is everybody's a fucking comic, right. you know. Uh, well, it's kind of true. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of comics. It's not as bad as being in a band. You know, if you're a musician, if you're a great musician, there are millions of great musicians. Right. Comics, maybe thousands. Right. Um, but you do, you're, 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 competing with, you're competing with thousands of other talking heads. Right. Um, and guys that have other skills get more gigs. It's just the way it is, yeah. you know, um, and, and <coughs> comics hate that. I mean, that's why Carrot Top gets endless shit. I've never seen a comic go to Carrot Top's gig and not come away going, holy shit, that guy is Connection. fucking good. Right. You know, but before they see his show, they're, ah, oh, fucking heck, and this right. is you know, prop guy, and, you know, they're mad at him for being as successful, successful. as yeah. he is. Comics hate success. Comics, <laughs> comics really, really hate success. They hate other success. I also believe that most comics hate their own success. That's why we sabotage <laughs> oh. it so often. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. Well, and they and they hate each other. It really is. I've never seen anything more like high school yeah. than, than, than comic. <laughs> go to the, you want to go back to high school, become a comic and work in comedy clubs. Uh, people just talking and little clicks and people talking shit about each other and it's just it's really ridiculous and, and Best thing you can do is stay out of that. Yeah, and well in Vegas Matt you you probably know this better than anybody that that's been a big problem here Brant and I have talked about it before like uh, like it, it became like pretty pretty rough for a while I mean clicks form yeah. and yeah, it, it's for a while there like when I first started they were all kind of like you kind of knew everybody but like now somebody will mention somebody will be like yeah They've been doing it out here for four years. They got a room over here. It's like I, I don't know that person apparently I'm not you know part of their little group. And yeah. It happens a lot out here yeah. now, it really has. Well, that's, uh, that's kind of why, that's one of the main reasons that uh, Geechee Guy and I started the Friars Club here, was to kind of get these comics to come together, you know? And a lot of people do, they come and they're like, man, I haven't seen that guy in 10 years. And you know what it's like. Yeah, right yeah, there. It's, yeah. like it's just like, really, it's like old, old home week, you know? Everybody yeah. comes in and, and hangs out with each other. But there is a lot of that stuff, like with the club owners, you know? The club owners have this competition going between each other. And you can't, you know, if you're gonna work there, you can't work here and all that kind of shit. And, and, they, and they do, they end up talking a lot of shit about each other. Like, oh, that terrible comedy club, ours is much better. Right. I, think, I think what they should do is they should say, yeah, that's a great comedy club you should go to that comedy club you know once right. you've been to ours go to that one right. um, but what they, what they would do is they would create this atmosphere like hey you want to see comedy come to Las Vegas we have 10 comedy clubs here rather than going oh there's 10 fucking comedy clubs here it's horrible we right. can't get right. uh, uh, uh. rather than complaining about it make it a great thing make it hey you want to come see comedy fuck LA come to Las Vegas if you want to see, it, and I, that's what I tell people all the time. If you're a comedy fan, if you, go, if you go and watch Comedy Central on a regular basis, anybody you love on Comedy Central is going to be here. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like music. It's the same way, you know. I mean, there's just anybody you want to see is going to be in Las Vegas. And we should, we should tout that as, as a good thing. A positive comic is really throwing me. Is uh, it throwing <laughs> <me off? laughs> we, got, we, got, we got questions. Uh, by the way, the chat's going, didn't Brian say something different last week? About uh, what? About being nice about other comedians and being nice to each <laughs> he other. He said it. I didn't. <laughs> I know, I didn't, but didn't Brian say he doesn't want to be yeah, nice I'd... to it? Dave asked a question of Ty. He goes, is Las Vegas your favorite place to do uh, comedy? And if not, what city is? You know, of all places, one of my favorite places is Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a club there called Rumors Comedy Club, and they booked they booked uh, comics two weeks in a row. Did, did you guys ever? Have you guys either one of you guys ever played that? I'll turn you. I won there. a week actually at the World Series, and I'm, yeah, for, I just got oh, that's right. The, um, yeah, uh, Tyler was Everyone, here from yeah. from Winnipeg. Yeah, um, great comedy club. You are a rock star when you go there. Really? They they really like their comedy, and it's one of those places where it's a pretty it's a pretty fair sized market. It's not a little city, mm -hmm. um, but they're the only comedy club, 
And they run their comics there two weeks in a row, which saves you on airfare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you'll buy one airfare, and you'll get two weeks out of it, which is really, really, really nice. But every time I went there, they just blew up. I mean, it was, a, it was like a rock star moment, you know, standing ovations every night and just really great room for They really loved it. Uh, my other favorite room was uh, the comedy show, Brad Garrett's room. Yeah. It, now, but it used to be the comedy stop. It was uh, Bob Kephart's place. Um, shows of my life in that place. Perfect comedy room, little low tiny ceiling. stage, low, low yeah. ceilings. People thing, packed yeah. right in. Uh, it's beautiful. It shows my life there. And yeah, Las Vegas is. Um, it's Las Vegas, man. I mean, this is it. it, it they're in a place on the planet like this, and there are more stages here than any other place on the face of the planet. Yeah. So yeah, I love it here. I want to talk more about Vegas, but I think we got more questions first. In Las Vegas, how do you get in there? You have to be a comic or a friend of. That's hey, it. Do you want to talk a little bit? About, I know that it's kind of a, an inside thing, but you just really quickly, kind of briefly, what what the what what you've set up, what it is. Yeah, well, there's a uh, there's a very famous club for professionals, professional comedians called the Friars Club. It's F R A I R S Friars I A R S. But we have these two shows at Hooters, and so we're the Friars Club with a Y. Friars, <laughs> last in fried chicken. And uh, what we were thinking, we were, we were sitting around um, one day, and we were saying, you know, there's more comedians in this town on any given night than any place else, even, even L.A. Uh, and New York. Um, there's just a lot of comedians here, and um, a lot of people we know. And... You know, you'd like to get out and, and see these guys you know, like, um, uh, like, for instance, Shane Moss is a buddy of mine that's a, a, a comic touring. Oh, okay. and, and, yeah, and I'm a big fan of his, and, and we're, we're really good friends. And <clears throat> sometimes he comes into town, and I just can't get over, and he's right down the street. And I'd love to get over to see him, but my show's at the same time as his show, and, and you just never kind of meet up for lunch because you're too tired and you don't you sleep all day. And, right. and uh, we thought... Friday nights, by Friday nights, all the comics, have, they've been here for a while, you know, and they've kind of acclimated to it. And by Friday night, you're kind of looking for something to do. I mean, at least that's what I was doing when I was coming into Las Vegas. And we thought, everybody must be having that experience. And why don't we have a little party every Friday night at, uh, at Hooters? And uh, it, the first one was like 20 comics, and the second one was like 40 comics. And we've been getting between, you know, 30, 40, 50 comics every night. Sometimes they're really big. Sometimes we have 70, 80 people in there. And uh, some of the bigger names that show up, you know, we just had Ron White was there a couple of weeks ago and made a big splash in there. It was very, you know, very cool. We've had uh, uh, David Copperfield came over and, and uh, uh, we did a private show for him. We did our Dirty Joke show for him, you know. Awesome. So we've had some really, yeah. some really cool people have shown up. Right. And it is. It's, it's kind of like it's a whole camaraderie thing, which, uh, you know, as we've said many times, doesn't really always exist uh, among comics. Yeah, there's one rule at the Friars Club, and it's leave your ego at the door. Right. We don't give a shit. Everybody here is a comic. Right. So yeah. Right. Yeah, and then and then too, we kind of get some of these uh, some of these cats that are in the in the magic thing because I kind of spill over. I, I kind of right. spill over into everybody's group. Uh, uh, I do. I, I play music. I do comedy. I do you know the magic and juggling. So I kind of I kind of fit in and out of. I, I've never been a big joiner. <laughs> I've never joined any one particular group. <laughs> right. But I do kind of like to weave in and out of all of them. Sure. And uh, the magicians, you want to meet a weird group of folks, man. Uh, the magicians. <laughs> That's I a met weird... one last week. Yeah, yeah, they're, was, really, <laughs> they're, a really, they're a really strange group of folks, but yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anything else, Scott? Yeah, um, actually, yeah, a couple. First of all, one guy wants to know about the tattoo sleeves. Did that ever cause, it, uh, cause you a problem in getting a gig? And then did... also, uh, your name, Todd Paul, where did that come from? The tattoos have never caused me a problem getting a gig because... This is show business, and it's kind of an image thing, you right. know. Like people, people in a in a, in a band or, or on a comedy stage are okay with this, right? You know, it's I'm, I'm supposed to be a little bit different, and now it's not different at all. Every, right. every asshole walks down the street has sleeves. <laughs> Shit, there's a tattoo parlor across from every Starbucks, so yeah. you can get a latte and a tattoo. Yeah. Um, so it's not as uncommon as it had been at one time, and it's not, it's not as associated with the prison thing. I think it was always associated with the badass bad prison. Right, yeah. Now it's like, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you look like you got piercings and tattoos all over, and it's like, oh, you're trying to be hard. Scoop yeah. up my fucking ice cream. Right, right. <laughs> Let's move it along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so no, uh, I, you know, I never, but I never had to get a, a job job. 
Right. So I, I don't know. I, got, I, I, I suppose if something happened with show business and I had to get a job job, I, I sure. may have to yeah. wear a shirt. Um, the other question was about what? The name? Then your name, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, it's kind of an interesting story. It's a little long. It uh, starts with my birth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's begin there. Let's get that message. Yeah. I, was, uh, I was born uh, Avram Quinn Brichard in uh, 1968 in San Francisco, which was the summer of love. Okay. And uh, my mother uh, named me Avram after a, uh, a very, science, uh, very famous science fiction writer named Avram Davidson. Quinn is, the, is a reference to the Bob Dylan tune, The Mighty Quinn. Oh, awesome. And uh, it was her wish for me that when I walked, this is, this is where, <laughs> the name is, uh, that was her wish for me that when I walked into a room, people would stand and cheer, like in that song. Wow. Isn't that great? That's pretty impressive. And then uh, Brichard is um, my father, who was a, a French exchange student. Now, this was an affair between a 21-year-old 20, uh, girl and a French exchange student in 1968. And uh, I was uh, very shortly after put up for adoption. Okay. And so I came from, from the middle of uh, 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 the Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco uh, to being adopted by the right wing. By the right, okay, now so it's I was, awesome. <laughs> when you said the right wing, I'm like, yeah. the right wing does not name people of Ram. It, it was a little uh, Muslim-y, quite frankly, <laughs> and they're it, not having it. It was, uh, it, was a bit, uh, it was a bit like being raised by wolves. Um, <laughs> And uh, we, as different as we are from each other, they're really good people. You know, I mean, sure. they're, they're, they're really cool people. And they, um, uh, they love me, you know, and they always did. And I, and I always loved them. And, and I, we, we, you know, our, our core philosophies are, are opposite ends of the spectrum. Sure. And uh, I used to say to my dad, you're such a smart man. How can you possibly believe that shit? <laughs> and he would return that right back around to me, you right. know. Um, so, but, uh, but we did respect each other. You know, like I said, they were very, they're very smart people. They're not, you know, they weren't, they weren't stupid. They just had this, uh, uh, this thing I didn't get. Right. <laughs> so religion and politics and all of that thing, we kind of went the other way. Um, but about four years ago, uh, my wife came up to me one day and I was working on a project and uh, she just out of the blue, she said, hey, if, if you had a chance to meet your mother, would you? And I kind of sat back and I, I said, uh, well, where, did, where is this coming from? And she goes, well, I'm just wondering. She said, like, just, just for instance, if, if she were standing behind that door, yeah. would you want to meet her? And I said, absolutely. She's not standing behind that door, is right, she? So yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And she said, no, she said, no, but I'm, I'm going to start looking for her because we had just, uh, we had, just had a, a lot of deaths in our family all in one. Both of my wife's parents, my father died. Um, and we just kind of needed some new, some new life in the family. And we're done having babies, so we weren't going to do it that way. And she right. thought, wouldn't it be great if I found Todd's mom? And she got on the internet, and the internet being what it is today, she found my entire family all the way back to my great-grandmother in five days. Jesus. Found my mother living in New Delhi, India. Um, it turns out all of this stuff that I do comes from that family. It's like a genetic thing. Uh, my great-grandmother was a banjo player named America Gamble. Uh, my grandfather was a, a published poet and a musician. Uh, my mother was an artist. Uh, my, I have a brother who's a year younger than me who's an artist in San Francisco. I mean, it's all the whole family. They're all artists. Hmm. Uh, the family I grew up in, not one. Yeah. Not, not a single artist. The, the one that gave me up, all of them are. See? Yeah. So, uh, so I'll try and make this as short and interesting as I can. But <laughs> what happened was... Uh, uh, Shelly, my wife, contacted Lana, my mother, and uh, asked if she wouldn't be interested in maybe corresponding. So uh, she wrote back this kind of a cold, because, you know, these things you never, like, I never would have contacted her. Right. You just, it's not done that way. Right. You know, uh, this is a 40-year possibly secret from everybody she knows. I mean, she could have other kids or a husband that doesn't know anything about. Sure. We had no, no idea who she was. So she... Um, she wrote back this kind of this kind of a short and cold letter, and it said, uh, uh, "Yes, if there's if he would like to write to me, if there's uh, any questions he has, 
um, I'd be more than happy to answer them. And that was about it. That was about the end of the letter. And so I took that to heart and I thought, well, no, I'll answer I'll answer her letter. Right. And what she had asked was, did I have any questions? So I sat for a week and I, well, what she said was, does he have any questions? Or if there's anything he'd like to say to me, I'll, I'll read the letter. So I, I started with the questions and I had a list of about 10 questions. And, and the, the number one on the list for, for any, anybody who's adopted out there knows, you're worried, you wonder about medical time bombs. Sure. Uh, am I dead next year because right. of a heart attack? Do I, you know, what do I have to worry about? Right. Uh, the other thing was I wondered where the buck teeth came from. My parents spent an awful lot of money on death. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the name. Of Ram Quinn Burchard. When, when I found the name, I, I, I wanted to know where that name came from. So that was really cool when she explained the name to me. That was right. a bit, especially having a Bob Dylan reference. You right. know, that was very cool for me. Um, and uh, the next thing I, I had to tackle was, well, what is it that I want to say to her? I don't know her. I don't know any, I mean, all I know is what I've imagined, you know, about her, which is a lot over 42 years. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so I thought about that for about a week, and what I wrote back to her was, uh, there's only really one thing that I, that I want to say to you, and that's that it really worked out well. Everything, everything is fine. Because what I thought was, I always kind of imagined that I was given to my parents, right. but I wasn't given to my parents. I was given to the system. And you were chosen, right? in the middle of San Francisco and there was a couple that was looking for a baby and the system and those people came together and that's how I got my parents. Right. It wasn't like I was given to my parents right. uh, by, by my mother. Right. Um, and I thought, well, God, she's had to live with that for 40 years. She's had, an, she, for all she knows, I, uh, you know, uh, I could have been given to anybody. Any, any number of horrible things could have happened to me. Huh. And, uh, and man, I, it was a huge thing to do for her to say that because it broke the ice. I immediately got back like a five-page letter, yeah. you know, and it was a big deal to her to know that, you know, nobody touched me bad, nobody, you know, nobody abused me, nothing, nothing bad. I mean, I got really good parents. Nothing bad ever happened to me in my entire life. Uh, in fact, it's been pretty charmed. And, now uh, I really don't understand how you became a comic. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this man? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so, so that just kind of opened the floodgates. Well, listen to this. A couple of years before this happens, uh, now and again when you do comedy, people will come up to you because they have an idea for a show or, they, or they're right. going to put on a show somewhere and it's all, you know, yeah. uh, sometimes it happens, what, about like 1% of that, yeah, they, they ever call yeah, you back yeah, or whatever, yeah. but yeah, I've got this huge TV thing, you know, we're going to do. So uh, this guy comes up and he says, I want to do these shows in Thailand. And uh, so I gave him my card and at the time, at exactly the same time I was writing emails to Lana in India, these contracts started coming through for these shows we were going to do at the Hard Rock Hotel in uh, Patea, Thailand. And um, I get this email, and I'm like, oh man, I've got to do this, and I've got to go on the road, and I've got to figure out this thing, you know, going to Thailand. And, and in the middle of all of this, I'm meeting my mother. You know, right. I'm, I'm emailing with my, my mother, and I've and, and I'm contacting my brother, and it was, it was really wild, you know? And uh, these contracts are coming through. And I'm reading the contracts, and then I go back and I, and I read this email from Lana, and she says, you know, in the middle of summer, India is probably one of the most brutal places to be. The poverty gets worse, uh, the electricity is out for weeks at a time, there's no water, there's no air, it's just horrible. So we have a house in Patea, Thailand. So it'll be another week before I email you again because we move for the summer. And I read back to that and I looked at the name Patea Thailand and I'm looking at the contract on this thing. So the week she landed, I'm doing a show in Patea Thailand wow. at the Hard Rock Hotel. So I wrote back to her, uh, I'm going to be doing, hey, it's great you're going to be there because I am too. I'm doing a show at the Hard Rock Hotel in Patea, Thailand. I suppose the polite thing would be to leave you tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so uh, a couple of years ago, I met my mother two hours before performing at the Hard Rock Hotel in Patea, Thailand. 
Wow. And, that's, and that's the yeah. story. And that's, that's where the name comes story. from. Oh, so the yeah. original yeah. name, the, uh, <laughs> excuse me, of Ram Quinn Brichard is the name that I was given at my birth. And Todd Paul is the, my adopted name. I forgot that was the original question. <laughs> that's an awesome story. Yeah, that is a great uh, story. Let's, uh, we're running low on time, but I want to talk about what you're doing here in town because you're one of those guys that you're kind of everywhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I definitely want to talk about this. This is your newest project, the, uh, the Midnight Rock and Roll Show, uh, comedy show, rock and roll comedy show at the Hard Rock. Uh, talk a little bit about everything you got going on. Well, um, I started out, uh, I got a show, like I said, Nancy Ryan uh, helped me out a lot, and then she had a show here, and her producers saw me at the L.A. Comedy Club. We're, we're going to be working together. Next month we're going to be working together, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, this thing came up at Hooters, and they have a show over at Hooters. They have the, the burlesque show over at Hooters. And uh, this room opened up when Bobby Slayton left. So I, I had my own show for a year and a half called Fear and Laughing. Uh, over at Hooters, and that closed. It was a great yeah, Scott, show. Scott Whitney, yeah, uh, our, the, the, yeah, yeah he, he really. said this is one of the best shows he's ever seen of it. it it's, and, I, and I'm sorry, I never got a chance. It's to see it. uh, it's a yeah. really great show. It's just a lot of fun and very funny and uh, and rare. It's stuff that you don't really don't see very often. Sure. You know? And, uh, so how did you, if, if we can get a little bit into the nuts and bolts, how did that show actually come about? Like they hired you? Because from what I understand, it doesn't really happen. <sighs> yeah, okay. it was very rare. I, I got a deal. I got a deal from a hotel. And uh, from what I hear, that just doesn't happen. No. But I, I'd been asked uh, a number of times about shows here in Las Vegas. Because when you see my show, when we work together, you go, oh, I get it. Okay, right. it's a perfect sort of Las Vegas show. Right. You know, um, because I do so many things in it, you know. Right. Um, it's like sort of a one-man variety show. Um, and it's very funny. So uh, it's kind of a perfect fit for Las Vegas. But people wanted me to be a producer, and I'm not. Um, I, I just, and especially in Las Vegas, you know, I mean, the guys that produce shows here, it, there's a lot to it, man. You don't, uh, you know, you got to know what you're doing. You know, I mean, uh, some of these guys that, you know, uh, uh, the guys at LA Comedy Club and Kevin Kearney over at uh, um, Sin City and all those guys, you know, they got their work cut out for yeah. them. That's a, that's a lot of, first of all, you got to be on the phone all fucking day. Can you imagine the phone calls those guys have to retrieve all day? I mean, it's just great. And I, d I don't want to be that guy. I don't really don't have the time for that. I want to create my show. I mean, that's what I want to concentrate on the best show I can and have somebody else do all that. And luckily, uh, Hooters Hotel was, I mean, they were the best parents ever. Yeah. <laughs> they just, I mean, I had, uh, they paid me to do the show. They gave me a uh, suite in the hotel and a comp card, which gave me the run of the hotel. That seriously never happened. Never. I didn't know anybody else in, in all of Las Vegas that had that deal. And it was supposed to be a month and it went a year and a half. And in the interim, uh, uh, I ran across Geechee Guy. And I don't know if you know Geechee, but uh, just an amazing human being. <laughs> really an incredible guy to hang out with for an hour or two. Um, and he had this idea for a show called The Dirty Joke Show. And The Dirty Joke Show is basically a play about three comedians after the show in the alleyway behind the comedy club right. telling each other dirty jokes. Okay. And that's the show. So we set up a stage. So then I had two shows at, at, at Hooters. And the Dirty Joke Show is still going. It's 10 o'clock every night uh, at Hooters. Um, dark Friday. Not every night. Okay. Dark on Friday we're, when we do the Friars Club. Got it. Um, so, but I like that. I kind of like, um, I've never been a, a stand-up comic. Uh, I always kind of, but I love comedy. I, I, I love anything that's, uh, that's funny. And uh, I really think guys who have ideas are going to be the new wave of comedy. I think stand-up comedy was it for a very, very long time. It was hot in the 80s. It kind of died off in the 90s. It kind of came back with Comedy Central. And now everybody's seen it. You know, and unless you're that, unless you're Mitch Hedberg or, or you know, uh, or, or, you know, one of these comics is really fucking special, uh, you're not going to, you're not going to get the television time and you're not going to get the shows in Las Vegas and you're, I think it's going to take ideas, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what this, uh, this new show is another idea. And it just, this just started. Last night was your first Last night was opening night at midnight, yeah. Um, this is the Midnight Rock and Roll Comedy Show at the Hard Rock Cafe. Not the hotel. This is the cafe on the Strip. Right. And it's, uh, I have a band called Screaming at Yoko. And the band, <laughs> is, <laughs> the band is made up of comedians. So we're the comedians. We're our own backup band. And, and it's kind of comedy on a lot of different levels because sometimes the songs themselves are funny. Sometimes there's a comedy bit that's happening in conjunction with the song. Sometimes they're just straight songs. And sometimes it's just straight stand-up. 
Um, so there, there's like 10 minutes of straight stand-up in the show, and then there's a lot of variety stuff as, as well. And it's just kind of funny all the way through. And we all stay on stage the whole time and kind of interact with each other and the audience. And it's, oh. uh, it's a really cool show. Um, last night was the second time we did it. We, uh, we filled in for Louis Anderson over at uh, Palace Station on oh, Saturday night. That's cool. And learned a lot. <laughs> so, well, we had this idea that we would, uh, would kind of, as one guy was doing his solo part of the show, that we would sort of leave the stage. And it came sort of discombobulated and stuff. And we thought, why didn't we just... Why don't we just stay on stage, kind of like we do in the Dirty Jokes show, and sit there and laugh at each other and kind of crack wise as the guys doing? And we did it last night, and it killed. It just absolutely floored them. The uh, I think the Hard Rock was kind of sitting there thinking, well, you know, we sold them this show; they'd never seen it. Hmm. <laughs> wow. So we got this that show. We happened. got to deal yeah, with exactly. them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we got to deal with them, and they had never seen the show. They they took it just on the description of it, and so we were. Last night was a really nerve-wracking night, and we thought, you know, this could be it. You know, it, it's ours to fuck up. So if they don't, right. you know, if we don't pull this off, they could, you know, at this point, just say, hmm, you know, we pass. But last night was a huge night for us because they've decided they're going to start uh, promoting this worldwide. This show's going to, they're going to promote this in every hard rock in the world. So you it's could be, theoretically be touring every hard we could rock? Yeah, we could theoretically be, well, we're definitely, they want us for, for this Las Vegas show. They want to have a show. And they've never had a show. The Hard Rock's right. been there for a year and a half, and they've never had a show. Um, in fact, a lot of shows have gone there um, kind of saying, you know, we'd like to use your room and be a show there. And, and they've turned them all down because they don't have anything to do with rock and roll. And we said, look, we'll do this show where it's a rock band, but they're comedians. So it's a rock and roll comedy show. And they bit right away. They said, it's great. And well, and I had some, you know, I had my own show here already and stuff. So they knew we were capable. It wasn't right. like we were just somebody off the street, but, um, but, they, but they took it. And last night was really the night where they said, this is it. We're, we're going to get behind this thing and we're going to promote it and, and uh, you have a show. So Jesus. six awesome. nights a week, we're at the, at the Hard Rock Cafe now. What are we doing wrong? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> can you do anything else, no, Matt? Because I can't. I can eat and drink. Uh, eat and drink comedy show. Don't get me wrong. Stand-up stand up is enough. But it's, it's, it's uh, I, I think, kind of, uh, uh, it, it's something that's helping us, you know, right. just to be able to do something a, a little bit different. Right. I just want to stand out. Like, you know, we do two weeks in a row. They're going to be like, oh, I saw the white fag. <laughs> exactly. Chubby white guy. Chubby white guy. Tell jokes. Yeah, but you come up this with something. Completely different. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that. Yeah, and it was one of the things when I started doing comedy clubs, I was really kind of worried because you know, I didn't fit in in high school. I didn't fit in. I've never been a part of an organization. I just never really quite fit in with a lot of with any group. Right. And um, when I got into comedy clubs, I kind of thought I'd be the same thing. I kind of well, I'm not really a comic, you know. And I right. thought, man, they're gonna they're gonna hate me there. They're gonna. But as it turned out. People, even people that are fans of the comedy club, people who go to comedy clubs often, like, like uh, you know, they go to their local comedy club, and they, and they go every week or every two weeks or something right. like that. The comment I got the most, which I was afraid that they would say, well, it wasn't really what we came for. Right. You know, what you do, it was funny, but it wasn't what we came for. Right. And I never got that, never, not once. What I always got was exactly the opposite, and it was, well, what a nice surprise that was. You know, we come here and there are three stand-up comedians every week. Mm -hmm. And we've never seen anything like what you do. And right. it was really fun. Right. So, well, there you go. We, we usually end the show with a hell gig. <laughs> um, I, I feel like you don't have one, though. I feel like no, nothing's ever gone wrong for you. Nothing <laughs> has ever gone wrong for me, ever. Do you, do you, have, do you have something? <laughs> <laughs> do you have something you can share with us? And, uh, <gasps> Whether it's a, a horrible show or a weird show or just something? I, I had a, uh, I, when this all first started, uh, Steve Sharippa from the, from the, uh, Sopranos. Uh, from the oh, Sopranos. Sopranos. Yeah, yeah he, he was the entertainment director at the Riviera right. and, and ran the Riviera Comedy Club. Right. And uh, when I first started it, it was with him. And he, he and Kip Adada kind of took me under their wing and they just got me a lot of work. And they just started working me to see how I would do. And they got me this gig in Corpus Christi, Texas. It was a casino cruise. If you ever get a chance to do a casino cruise, run the other way really fast. It's the worst. I've heard people talk about bad gigs. These are the worst ones ever. It's a, 
it's a ship, (laughs) but it's a very small ship and it's out into the Gulf of Mexico, which is really sort of hot. Even there, even when it's not high seas, it's high seas because that boat goes like this for hours. And a casino cruise is not an overnight thing. It's, it's a few hours and what they do is they, they uh, dock in Corpus Christi and everybody gets on the boat and they take you nine miles out. And once you reach nine miles, you're in international waters, which is when the gambling can begin. Right. It takes a little while to get nine miles on a big, on a big ship. So they eat and drink for that whole time. Right. And you're just starting out. So the seas haven't got as rough as they're gonna get at the oh. nine mile point. You don't well, ever want to do this show no. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people, everywhere. People, I oh, can you, oh, you can never do it. You yeah. can never do it. Oh, if you were nervous on top of this, oh no, there's no way, there's no way. But uh, yeah, these people aren't even doing a show and they're puking because they've been eating and drinking, right? Right. So they, so they get out to the nine mile point and they can start gambling. Well, people are kind of, I mean, it's hard just to walk on this boat because it's literally doing this. It's really high seas and I don't think people are expecting it when it comes out because they all have that deer in the headlights look and they're all a little sick and I mean, there are people are vomiting in the showroom, and it, it, it's it's horrible, and and, and it's, I, it, it is horrible, and and it's like the front of the boat is the gambling, and the back of the boat is the showroom. So while people are gambling, the showroom is just kind of empty, sure. and there isn't anybody in there. So that's where everybody goes to be sick. So right before the show. <laughs> <laughs> they're cleaning vomit right before the show. They're like, yeah, we're on in 10, but we got to clean up all the puke first, uh, right? Are you going to throw up now? No. <laughs> no <I'm good. laughs> so what they do is they make this loop. They get out to the nine mile point and they make this couple of hour loop, whatever it is, and they come back. Now, when they hit the nine mile point, the reason they have comedy is because when they hit the nine mile point, they cut off gambling. It is now illegal to gamble. So all of your money on the table, they just close the table. They go, thank you everybody for gambling with us today. And they put a cover over the table and tell them to get the fuck out. Now it's time for comedy. So, so I get out there, and first of all, I, I do this. Uh, one of my one of my longest and most well loved bits happens atop a six foot unicycle because right. I'm a hack <laughs> <laughs> who gets paid a lot. So, so there's the ceiling is like, you can't even stand the unicycle up. That's how short the ceiling is. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of screwed. But I noticed that there are parts of the ceiling are missing because sometimes it's real high seas and parts of the ceiling fall out of the boat. Lucky you. Lucky me. So I do the unicycle bit, but I do it with my head up through the ceiling. They can't see anything from here up is actually in the ceiling. That's funny, And my big line all week was, and the boat's doing this. Right. right. So I'm on a unicycle with my head in the ceiling and the boat doing this and people aren't reacting at all. They're just angry at me because they've lost their money and they don't feel good. Their tummies are upset. And so my big line uh, the whole week, it got a huge laugh every time. Probably the only laugh of the whole time was I would pull my head out of that ceiling and go, you know, this is really good because it's fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're on a boat. Right. Yeah. And it would, get a, it would get a big laugh every night because people would realize how shitty they had just been to me for the last 45 minutes. Right. But that was a two-week gig. And, uh, oh, wow. and I did the two weeks and uh, uh, came very close to opening a wrist. I don't know if you've ever had... I don't know if you've ever had that itch in the roof of your mouth that could only be scratched by the barrel of a gun. But by the end of the first week, you just want to die. This is Friday Friday night late show times 10 every night. Right. On a boat. On On a a boat. boat. (laughs) Yeah. Where the audience is vomiting as they laugh. And uh, so I, I, the first week, I'm ready to kill myself. By the, by the second week, I've, I've started meditation. I'm doing all kinds of things I've never done before just to get through it. And uh, I get off the boat, and I get my check, and I call Steve Sharippa, and I say, Steve, 
uh, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done with the gig, and I did well, and they, and they really liked it. And he said, well, that's good. I just got a phone call from them, and they want to immediately book you back for another two weeks. Oh. And I said, Steve, thank you very much for everything you've done for me, but if the rest of our relationship hangs on me doing this boat ever again, <laughs> I'm going to have to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Todd Pond, everybody! All right, well, go out and see Todd. If you're going to be in Vegas, uh, literally everywhere, go see the Rock and Roll Comedy Show. Uh, uh, when are you guys playing L.A. Comedy Club? Uh, we are going to be there March 14th to the 20-something. 20-something. Yeah, I think that's 14th to the 20th uh, yep. downtown at the L.A. Comedy Club. Uh, you'll probably see Matt Markman uh, down there at, at least uh, one or two nights sure. as well. Uh, yep. You can see Matt Markman uh, everywhere as well. Like I said, w really one of my favorite uh, Vegas guys, so definitely check out Matt Markman. Yeah, guys, Matt's well, very funny. I've yeah. seen him before. Thanks. Absolutely. MattMarkman.com, ToddPaul.com. I'm Dirty here. Joke Show, 10 o'clock. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Dirty Joke Show, 10 o'clock. Uh, and uh, the Midnight Rock and Roll Comedy Show at 12. There it is. What more do you want from us? Uh, we will be back next week. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. Uh, remember, if you have any other questions, comments, topics, if there's a comic you want to see, email us, awkward at VegasVideoNetwork.com. Uh, check out the website also. There's, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, sort of comedy fans that are sort of hanging out uh, on, on our comment threads at Vegas Video Network. So if you want to chat with like-minded individuals, uh, that sounded like a personal ad. But uh, yeah, just go, go to the website. It's a lot of fun. Uh, all right, we'll cougar. see you next week, everybody. I'm a cougar. cougar. <laughs>